With Long Island local news on Thursday, November 9th, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Thanks to a U.S. Department of Agriculture adjustment, most local school districts can now offer breakfast and lunch to all students free of charge. Desiree Keegan reporting on 27East.com that a threshold to qualify for what is known as Community Eligibility Provision, a state subsidy that allows high-poverty schools to offer free meals, has been lowered from 40% to 25% thanks to an infusion of $134.6 million in the 2024 state budget, which as a result expanded access to free school meals. East Hampton School District has two of the approximately 700 schools that now qualify across the state due to this modification. Superintendent of Schools Adam Fine announced the middle and high schools were recently approved. The elementary school had been serving free meals to all students since September. Schools may qualify individually or as a group to reach the identified student percentage necessary. Quote, I could not be happier for our students and community. This is great for families and helps reduce the stigma of free and reduced lunch. Breakfast and lunch should be given free for all students said Superintendent Fine of the East Hampton School District. Quote, for kids to be successful in schools, they can't sit there with their stomachs growling. They're hungry, Governor Hochul said in May when announcing the additional funding coming down the pike. They need nutritious food to focus and thrive, end quote. In other news, New York voters approved two state propositions On Tuesday, special debt limits for small city school districts and an amendment on contracted sewage facilities debt, according to unofficial results from the state's Board of Elections. Peggy Spellman, Hoey, reporting on Patch.com. Prop 1 concerning special debt limits for small city school districts was approved by the voters. Um, Looks like 57 percent to 31 percent of county voters approved the measure 54% to 37% in in, um, uh, comparison with the state. Prop 2 concerning an amendment proposing Section 5 of Article 8 of the Constitution relating to the exclusion of indebtedness contracted for sewage facilities was approved by the state's voters 59% to 28%. In Suffolk, uh, voters approved the measure by 57 to 35 percent. And finally, Riverhead Town's proposed 2024 operating budget and a local law authorizing the town to pierce the 2 percent tax levy cap will be the subject of a pair of public hearings at Riverhead Town Hall. This afternoon, Alec Lewis reporting on RiverheadLocal.com that the proposed budget calls for a tax levy increase of 4.86 percent to support spending of just over $69.4 million in the three townwide funds, a 5.5% spending increase over 2023. The three townwide funds are the General Fund, the Highway Fund, and the Street Light District Fund. The tax rate per 1000 of assessed property value, uh, $1,000 of assessed property value would v- rise uh, to uh, around 62 dollars per thousand in 2024 up from 59 a little closer to 60 dollars per thousand this year assessed value is a fraction of current market value the supervisor's budget document uh, states that an average home in riverhead has a market value of five hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars and an assessed value of fifty thousand that home would see a property tax increase of $135.50 to cover the three town-wide funds. Additional town taxes are levied on properties located within the Water District, Sewer District, Garbage District, Ambulance District, and Public Parking District to cover the expenses of those districts. Proposed total spending, including these districts and the three town-wide funds, would top $111.3 million in 2024. Uh, New York State law requires the town to hold a hearing on the proposed budget on or before the Thursday following the general election. That would be this Thursday. So it looks like, you know, since it was uh, November 7th election, the board must hold the hearing no later than November 9th. That's today.
to adopt a budget that exceeds the state-imposed 2% tax levy limit. The town board must pass a local law with a supermajority vote authorizing the town to override the tax levy limit. So, yes, both hearings scheduled today at 2 p.m. Uh, held in the board meeting room at Town Hall, the new Town Hall, 4 West 2nd Street in Riverhead. Reading the weather in West Hampton Beach ahead of tomorrow's Warriors Rock concert, 7 to 11 p.m. at West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center. Looking like a 40% chance of showers before 4 p.m. West Hampton Beach today, mostly cloudy otherwise with a high near 60 degrees. South wind 13 to 15 miles per hour. Going west in the afternoon tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 41 degrees. Northwest wind 8 to 10 miles per hour. Right now it's 54 degrees. we got a secret track for you that you can only find upon Clicking on the archive, uh, it'll go live around noon today at WLIW.org slash radio. That's where you'll find Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats with Survivor from the Future record of 2021. Instead, we're going to bunny hop past it and play the title track of Survivor's 1982 record. That's right. We got a little Eye of the Tiger coming at you. Buck Owens, Fleet Foxes, and Eels on deck before Spoon and back, unless I only play one Paper Tiger track and then go straight to one of my favorite Tiger tracks of all time, Presence of the United States of America's Tiger Bomb from the Freaked Out and Small Record of 2000 before a Joni Mitchell classic, Tiger Bones from Taming the Tiger of 98, Golden Earring, Tiger Bay from 79, and then we'll, we'll fly through the years uh, let's see, 89, 99, 2009, 40 years exactly after Golden Earring uh, recorded Tiger Bay, Billy Raffle uh, recorded the Easy Tiger single, I Love to Play for You, from 2019, the Mills Brothers' Tiger Rag, if we have any time. And then, of course, we've got ABBA's Tiger, and I've got a great track by Tiger Army, uh, but we'll see what we, what time we have for such tracks this morning, I'm Jenna Volpe. This is Survivor. And you, whoever you are out there, thank you for surviving my yakin at the top of the hour here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love on 88.3 FM throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online wherever you may be at WLIW.org slash radio.
All right, Survivor leading us to, toward the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour. We've got our guests in a little bit early. Uh, Admiral uh, Thomas Richards will be chaired instead uh, by Miss Jean from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm getting to know Jean a little bit as we get comfy, we get all set up. Uh, Admiral Richards, of course, uh, I got to know him quite a bit last year, uh, helping to host the Warriors Rock concert at the West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center. Was that last year, George? Two years ago. The, okay. See, I had a, I had a, had a bad feeling you were going to say that. The time, just it's like a black hole upon which years are now falling. Um, a beautiful thing that Gary and Kim uh, Rankin do. Yes. Um, and what's their, their organization called? Is it the Warriors Rock organization? Warriors Rock is basically the 501c3 organization. Right. <laughs> the uh, band itself is Gary Rankin and his Studio E band. Yes. Sorry, I said Rankin. Um, so, and Gary was in which band? He was a lead, the lead singer of the Vogues. Yes. A lot of hits in the 19, late 60s through the mid-70s. And you will see him perform if you go. Tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, 7, 7 o'clock. 7 to 11? 7 to probably Something. 10. Okay. Yeah. They won't make you go too long. But it's, I mean, this was a beautiful thing uh, for the veterans and those who love them uh, to participate in uh, honor uh, and be honored by. Absolutely. It, uh, it, it, the first one was in 2018. We had it at the West Hampton Performing Arts Center. It, it was an amazing thing. It was new to me to see that kind of a reaction from the veterans. Right. Uh, we have veterans. We do it chronologically. Veterans from World War II, believe it or not, Korea, Vietnam, very emotional Vietnam, and then Gulf War, Afghanistan, right up to the present time. And it's, it's a wonderful ceremony. And, um, uh, for example, this time we have... Three veterans from World War Two. Okay, I was going to ask how many veterans from World War Two we are lucky to still have with us. Yeah, well, we have three area. that are a hundred, a hundred and one years old each, and they're going to be Bless there. Them. At least two or three will be. The third one might not be. We hope he will be. He's up at the um, retirement center up there in Greenport. Got it. But uh, basically, uh, it's going to be two of them will be there uh, with their. Large families, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, whatever else. And uh, it's very emotional. The last one, after the last one, we had a 100-year-old veteran, and he stood up, and he was hugging his granddaughter. And the words came out of his mouth were, this is the happiest day of my life. Aww. My God. I mean, <laughs> How does that feel for you? I mean, George, and let's talk a little bit about your service, uh, bringing love and consolation to so many families during the Vietnam War, right? During the Vietnam War, basically, I had a job that nobody would volunteer for, probably, and uh, it just came about by luck or whatever. I, I was stationed at a beautiful stateside state, uh, place, Charleston, South Carolina, gorgeous city. Uh, never been to the Deep South in my life before. The height of racial unrest, 1965 through 67. And uh, my job uh, was to basically, uh, initially, it was to provide survivor's assistance, which meant mm -hmm. that I was the guy who, after they got the Western Union telegram, I was the one that was go up within 24 hours, knock on the door, and start to console them and prepare them for what was coming up. We're talking about folks who did not get their loved one back after the war. That's right. Or, That's right. Or throughout it. They came back three weeks later in a casket, and right. then I helped them arranging the funeral, go to the funeral, eulogizing and whatever else. But uh, then in the, uh, March the 15th of 1966, because the war was going so poorly with the American public, uh, basically that they came out with a new rule that said notifications would made, be made in person. Mm -hmm. So at that point, uh, starting in that date in March 15th, I get a call from the Presidio in California saying— That's interesting. You're saying that they, they, they discontinued having a, someone such as yourself showing up? No, they started it. Oh, okay. They started it. Before that, it was Western Union. Before that, I it was I followed on telegram. 24 hours later. Got it. Now, all of a sudden, it's I'm the one that's giving the news directly. Oh, my directly. gosh. So you're the Grim Reaper. And that was a—I already was used to it to the extent that I've been dealing with 24 hours after the death. Right. But now we're dealing—we're talking about giving the notification. Right. Now, the first probably half dozen notifications that I gave, the— uh, <laughs> 
person, usually the, the mother would answer the door. Oh, you must be in my son's unit. He said he'd send somebody by to say hello. How's he doing? Oh, no. My God. You go from the ground level to six feet below ground. Right. And you had to start out well. And there's a formal notification you had to make. Never worked, by the way. The President of the United States, Department of the Army, the people and of the United And they're putting States. it together as you're speaking, and yeah, they're going into that's shock. Right. That's right. They go into shock, and they fall to the floor or whatever oh, else. Oh, goodness. So that, that was the— um, I thought what the most interesting part of TAPS, your book, is your advocacy to do the job the way you had been doing it, which is that you are the person that stays with the family through the entire process— I had, what I did, I had it, there were many times when I would have six or seven services to deal with, deaths to deal with. So I have a notification, one, one in the morning, I'd have a visiting a family waiting for the body to come back, a funeral service, whatever else. I had many times, at one time I had uh, four notifications in the same day, which wow. was, that was the worst. But the, you know, the, the problem with it was that uh, the Army had decided uh, shortly after they instituted that program with a personal notification, they decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> the person that makes a notification, casualty notification officer, he does not stay around to deal with survivor assistance, the waiting for the body to come home. He basically, he somebody else comes in and does that. The feeling and, of the and Army— you, And you felt that, that, well, that was not helpful, especially for that person. That's putting an awful lot of burden upon them with no resolution. That's exactly right. And it, I, I felt that— uh, even though it, it, it was helpful to me to be able to come back after I delivered that devastating news and try to help them a little bit. Right. To just di- deliver the news and disappear, that right. seemed pretty harsh to me. So it was, very, it was very helpful to me to do it. And I went back to the Army when I finished my term. I went, stopped by the Pentagon, and I said to them, you really should let people that make notifications for their own sake follow up. It's good for them and it's good for the families. Yeah, it's it, it, it allows you to process the death as well. That's right. Exactly. You know? and, so, and and for the family to do so. I feel like that's, you know, you talk about, I mean, this is a weird way to say customer service, but, you know, having the same person being there, that's so much more human. It definitely is. And, and I found that uh, there are many different types of notifications in, in, in terms of the response you'd get from the family. But mm-hmm. the bottom line was that uh, uh, it, it was almost always to the mother, sometimes the mother and the father, and uh, occasionally the grandmother was very much involved. Those are the three people I dealt with the most. But they all uh, they all had different reactions to it. And so it was kind of, kind of a um, – uh, it was a mixed bag. But basically the bottom line was they were dealing with the devastation of their life. And by the way, the average age – of the of the, the uh, more than 150 people that I made notifications on, the average the age of that soldier was about 19 and a half. The oldest one I ever had I had one sergeant who was about 27. The only one that was older than me, and I was 22 and 23 years old. Every other one was younger than me or my age, barely oh my, my age. War. So that that but it, it, again, it what it did was it taught me to, by example to understand the problems that you have with, with war and the problems you have with families dealing with things like that. And that's why I've continued to this day to stay involved in that aspect of it. Very important to me, and that's why I work with veterans organizations. You're talking about service to service to your fellow veterans. Yeah, yeah, and families, families. You know, sort of like I do a lot of work with Gold Star families and things like that, helping them to get through the transition and whatever, yes. even years after. Yeah, uh, and it's very helpful to them. That's why these concerts are so important because it enables the, uh, the the families to to where they've lost somebody to yeah. come back and and reflect on it and and, and we, t- we talk about that in the, you know uh, just general loss. We talk that about that with with addiction. Uh, that the, uh, very often uh, the people that are are hurt just as much as those who have suffered or or, or gone through. Are those who love them, and uh, I'm so grateful to hear you talking about uh, veterans' families because it's 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 something that I think that we don't touch on quite enough when we uh, talk about uh, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, uh, any any service member holiday. That's true. That's true. You know, it, it's it's a uh, to me, it's very important. And what we've done this time around, I've added a new uh, link to the uh, this particular. Uh, 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 concert, 
We're going to be honoring, in addition to veterans, we're honoring first responders for the first time. Oh, I love this. Yes, this is something that, uh, and actually when we had Admiral Richards up last time, who I, is something I grew up with in Quag many years ago, basically he uh, he made a little presentation at the last ceremony two years ago and said, you know, the reality is that uh, don't forget first responders. Just right. out of the blue, he said that. Right. And the idea was that he said, you know, the reality, he, he, he was a uh, an admiral, he was a commander of... A naval special warfare, right? Which was the Navy SEALs, the Navy boats, and the SEAL Academy. So he knew his stuff, and he basically said the bottom line is that that uh, it's something that you can never. There's an intrinsic bond between the types of things that a veteran goes through in a, a combat arena, and then afterward is something that your average first responder is living. Each and every day. That's exactly right. That's that's the whole idea, and that's what he, he said. His example that day when he made that presentation was he said, "They first responders airlift rescue." He was completely surrounded in Vietnam with his men, and they came in and airlifted them out. They all, all would have been dead. Clearly, is that the event that got upgraded to the Silver Star? Or are you are you just talking about in general? Well, in general, yeah, yeah. He, he did have a, his. Um, Bronze Star upgraded yes. just this year yes. after like 52 50. years or something into a Silver Star. Yeah, that's But that was another rescue. But this one, he was rescued by Pararescue Group. Right. And then the other thing he pointed out was that uh, several years er- earlier, basically, that his uh, his wife had been home alone and she, she would have burned to death in a house fire. But the fire came by and police and whatever, and they rescued her in her second-story room. And so that, that those are two examples. And I said to myself— SEALs are, are power rescue people themselves. Like, that's what they do. They're first responders. And so logically, uh, why not uh, bring them into the mix, the first how beautiful. responders? How beautiful of him to make that connection and for you to continue the tradition. So how will that happen? I know we, we, were, we were initially going to have uh, Chief Kiernan. Uh, is it Kiernan? What's, what's the Kiernan. Yes, Kiernan. James okay. Kiernan, yes. yes. Uh, he sent over his lieutenant. He right had here emergency. At, at Southampton Town. Southampton Town okay. Police Chief, yeah. But will he be at Warriors Rock? Is he going to be one of the honorees, or he will how be is there. it going to work? The, well, the way I've done that, the way Warriors Rock likes to work the concerts, they like to have the the veterans who are being honored, okay? Mm-hmm. They like to have a pre-recorded, like, four or five-minute oh, video. Oh, I love those. With pictures in the they background so describing what they look like then and, you know, their, their service. And so they're going to continue that trend with the first responders. We've done four pre-recorded videos. Uh, nice. Fire, the uh, East Quag uh, Police co- uh, Fire Commissioner. He'll nice. be We pre-recorded him. Uh, town of Southampton represented by the chief, but some, a lieutenant came and did the job that day. Okay. And uh, then we have uh, West Hampton War Memorial Ambulance Group representing uh, the, uh, that part of the business. And um, then we have the mayor of Quag, the new mayor of Quag, uh, Bob Truehold, will be coming talking about the responsibilities that he, you have as a, a mayor of a community basically to supervise all of that and understand. Were you once the mayor of Quag? I was the mayor of Quag for four terms, the first decade of this century, yes. And you thought about maybe be doing it again recently or I, a few I thought, years I thought ago? about it. Uh, I was going to do it three years ago, but then they had uh, COVID was at its peak. I remember. And I decided I wasn't, wasn't going to do it at that, that point. Yeah. That just wasn't, you know, I, I didn't want to look like I was sneaking in the back door or whatever with that. But I, no, I didn't. I, I should. I, I wish I had done it, but I didn't do, do it. And the new mayor is a very special person. I know I've known him for a long time, so that's good. But he's going to speak about, from his perspective, learning for the first time as the new mayor how fire and police coordinate in EMTs, which is the theme. So when I had the people interview for this particular uh, occasion, I said, "Okay, I, the theme here is teamwork." I love this. That it's not just you know me doing it. Or it's I, I work with the other group. I work with fire. I work with police. I work with EMTs. I work with the ambulance groups. Whatever it is, I work all oh, of them together. I love fostering like a sense of kinship across, you know, across yeah. the fields. The fascinating thing when I when I did the interview, the only word I gave the I want you to talk about teamwork. And I heard two things came out of those interviews that absolutely amazed me. One was the fact that they basically uh, they all talked about teamwork on their own and how how critical it, how critically important it was. Right. Admiral Richards said at one point when you, when you have a seal it gets it gets a mission. Okay, 
it's never one group that does it. There are four or five basic units of the SEAL team. They all get together and they work together to see who does what and to make a successful operation. The same here. They said that you have these groups working together. So they highlighted that. And they also they, it was very amazing. During the course of the interview, they stressed how much it was totally selfless. They basically mm. talked about we love doing what we're doing and, and we, uh, we love to be able to help. 24-7, we're there. I love it. It was wonderful. So, WH, are there tickets left for tomorrow night? Hmm? Are there tickets left? Uh, there are some left, yes. Okay. Uh, I, so I haven't checked lately, but... Um, WHBPAC.org. I only say this because it was a packed house when uh, yes. I was involved the, two years ago. Even 2021 with COVID there, right. we had, you, had to, you had to wear a mask and you had to come with your certificate, your, your card showing you'd been, you'd been vaccinated. Yeah. But it so, was. It and was, still, we had uh, we, almost a crash. It crowd. was. It was nutty, in a good way. Yes. Uh, sorry. So, so Veterans Day weekend, it's upon us tomorrow. Uh, Warriors rock. Uh, we've mentioned all of. Uh, there's like a. There's no uh, shortage of events honoring our service men and women, including uh, folks from Southampton, England, are going to be coming over to present wreaths to our American service people on Sunday at Agawam Park. Of course, uh, Veterans Day ceremony in Southampton Village also this Saturday at 11 a.m. in Agawam Park. Um, tomorrow night, 7 to 10. We won't keep you out too late. Oh, uh, at West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was George Motes and Jean from Ann Arbor. Which we didn't talk. So, uh, are you liking? But do you, uh, have you been enjoying your time here, yes. Jean? Yes, very much. I I helped George with some marketing. Okay. So, and this will be my the first concert that I've attended, and I'm really looking forward to. How it. how has it been uh, promoting or you know uh, marketing Warriors Rock? Well, I just help him with like print and digital marketing pieces, whatever he needs. She I does love more it. Than that. She's got a tiger by the tail. We'll play a little Buck Owens right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, the Hot Sights and Sounds segment, underwritten by William Riss Gallery on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Stay with us. I've got a tiger by the tail that's plain to see. I won't be much when you get through with me. Well, I'm a losing weight and a turning mighty pale. Looks like I've got a tiger by the tail. Well, I thought the day I met you, you were meek as a lamb. Just the kind to fit my dreams and plans. Now the pace we're living takes the wind from my sails. And it looks like I've got a tiger by the tail I've got a tiger by the tail, it's plain to see I won't be much when you get through with me Well, I'm a losing weight and a turning mighty pale Looks like I've got a tiger by the tail
Tiger in my tank from Eels 2000 record, Daisies of the Galaxy. You know what? I'm going to hop past both Paper Tiger tracks. I will give you that President's track, Tiger Bomb. This is from the Freaked Out and Small record of 2000. Jody Mitchell on deck. Golden Earring and Billy Rafool after that here on WLIWFM. Oh, she played the drums like a queen. Got the prettiest hi-hat symbol I've ever seen. I could fix a broken bass drum beater If I had the courage to go up to her and meet her She gives off such a soothing vapor Cooling effect, she used to smooth her temper Wish I had all she ever needed to give her Every time I see her, I start to shiver She wraps it up tight and she holds it in Keeps a funny joke tucked inside her grin Maybe it's behind her
I used the word classic incorrectly earlier when talking about this track. It's a deeper cut. Money hopping past Golden Earring to play Billy Raffle, Easy Tiger. I'm gonna try to get Abba in there. Tiger from the arrival record of 76. We'll see who leads us in to the NPR news break if it's Mills Brothers or Tiger Army on WLIWFM. Nothing will change come Christmas time But you can stay where you want at night Just promise when love comes knocking you'll answer the door Easy tiger, don't you cry People gonna love you, then they're gonna leave you That's just the way of life Don't blame your mother, least we try People gonna love you, then they're gonna leave you That's just the way of life The machine beeps less frequently They've gone to find out what that means It was months, now it may only be hours They say, man, your son was far from a coward Damn near first one into the tower Come Mother's Day She'll be bringing him the flowers Easy tiger Don't you cry People gonna love you Then they're gonna leave you That's just the way of life I'm a lovely mother Left behind People gonna love you Tell you why That's a wrap for us here on The Heart. I want to say thank you to Judy Sleed, Christian Arbasu, uh, George Motes, and Jean, and also our underwriters at William Riss Gallery and listener supporters of Long Island's only local NPR radio station. I'm actually going to hop past the Mills Brothers and ABBA to lead you into the NPR news break with Tiger, Armors, the, uh, Tiger Armies. The past will always be from the retro future record of 2019 uh, and say, you know, uh, I'm going to miss you guys tomorrow and uh, throughout Veterans Day weekend. But as always, as every day, deeply, deeply grateful to all of our veterans, active service people and first responders. Thank you from the bottom of the heart of the East End. I'm Gianna Volpe and you, whoever you are out there, stay awesome.
and stay listening to WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love on 88.3 FM, 96.9 in Central and Western Suffolk County, streaming online at WLIW.org slash radio. I need your love 